You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors, and I call out to mine. I call out to those people who were here before us, and those people that were here long before us. I call out to those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our own ancestral lines to us in this great lineage, this great gift that comes from our true ancestral helping spirits. I call out to those people who met the challenges of their own time in a way that allowed them to prevail, to be a force of light, a force of creativity and transformation, a force of healing and leadership, a force that taught the young the good ways and allowed the young to innovate that which was needed and new. I call out to those medicine people, those creative people, and those powerful warrior-hearted people to be with us here today to help us, the living, to meet the challenges of our own time. And as these ancestors gather around us, as we begin to gather our energy for these proceedings here today, I call out to those ancestors that were here before there was ever a human. All of the life that was here on earth before the first man and the first woman, I call out to these ancestors as well. Because we need their help. And I ask them to help us to understand how we fit back in to the web of life and do so in a way that is good for all living things. I ask for these ancestors to help us to understand our true nature and to bring our true nature to bear in that web of life in a way that restores and rejuvenates and sustains and in a way that becomes part of the abundance of all that is here on this planet. And so as these ancestors gather around, let us gather ourselves, drawing ourselves in from our head to our heart, and our heart down to our belly, and from our belly let's reach down to the earth and take a moment and connect there with the earth. And give thanks for this day, thanks for our lives, thanks for all the wonder in this dreaming that brought life to the face of this planet and the great generosity that allows us to change anything as long as we are still breathing. I give great gratitude for the beauty and the diversity and for the sheer wonder of life. And with our hearts amazed and filled with this gratitude, let us bring our energy down through all the layers of the earth, allowing our gratitude to pour out in each layer of the earth as we go down uh, with our awareness all the way down to the very center of the earth and take a moment and connect there. We connect into this fiery core of the earth and yet the essence of this energy is stillness and silence and darkness. It is that energy that is before the expression, that is before the creativity, that potential that is not yet anything but could be everything and anything. We connect into this energy that renews and restores and replenishes. And we reach our awareness into it and draw it up into our bodies, up into our day, up into these proceedings in a way that we receive fresh water on a parched afternoon. And we call this earth energy up, drawing it up into ourselves and into our life, drawing into us the energy of the earth. Excuse me. And may we use that energy to reach down and ground ourselves in a good way. And from that grounding, let us understand where we stand. And from understanding where we stand, let us understand what we stand for what it is that we are living for. And let us build our sense of home around that which has meaning and purpose in our lives. Let us do so in a way that that door is open for those who are different than we are. And let let us invite these people in. Let us invite these ideas and these understandings in that they will provoke us to grow and to change and to truly become the men and women we were meant to be in this life. And with this earth energy moving through us and educating us, let us reach out to understand how do we connect within ourselves? How do we connect with our environment? How do we connect in a good way with others? 
and ultimately to feel that deep energetic connection of the web of life and understand our place in that great oneness. And may we take right relationship with ourselves from that awareness, our place in all things. And from that, then, take right relationship with everything else around us. And let us draw this energy of the earth up now from that place in our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and reach up out through the sky. And whatever weather it holds for you here today, let that weather caress your energy and you caress it back. And reach up and out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos out into all the great mysteries of our universe and all the heavenly bodies and caress these energies and be caressed by them as you reach with clarity and confidence all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know this energy in whatever way you conceive it, know it, connect with it, see yourself in it and it in you and begin to draw this energy down, drawing down into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings, drawing down this essence energy of blessings. Bring the blessings in and share them. We draw down the protection and bring the protection in and share it. And we draw in connection to commitment and devotion to those things that matter to us and the inspiration and the illumination to imagine beyond the way we can see things in this one day. We call these energies in and ask them to be with us as we draw this energy down from our head to our heart and our heart to our belly and all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we open our center channel to be a connection to the energies above and below, the earth and the sky, these two great energies that connect through the deep essence energy of the big love that birthed this experience of form into existence. And may it awaken our hearts now. May the spirit of our hearts wake up and open that crucible of transformation that resides only in the heart. And may we call up the fiery passions of the belly and call down the crystal clarity of the mind. And we ask these energies to mix and merge in the heart and to give birth to that third and most sacred thing, our soul's purpose. Our sense, our memory, some sort of feeling, some sort of connection with our understanding of why we uniquely are here. And may we find in that human heart some courage, whatever courage is needed to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts out into the world in manifestation. And for all of the assistance that we have in doing that, all the spirit energies gathered round, we give great gratitude. May what needs to be said be said here today, what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I'd like to give special thanks to Samantha and Charisse, to Lynn, Sherwood, Katrina, to Gretchen, Michelle, Evelyn, to Anne, Madeline, and all the listeners who have donated to the show. I am deeply grateful for those of you that helped me. Uh, for those who are listening for the very first time, please understand that this show is listener-supported. It is only because listeners like you are willing to donate Um large or small amounts when they can that helps us to pay the bills to keep the show on the air Um, the archives which is now more than 300 hours of shows about the practical application of shamanism in our shamanic skills in our contemporary life are available free to anyone who can get onto the internet Um, they are on iTunes they are at whyshamanismnow.com and they are at cocreatornetwork.com And for this to happen, we do have to pay some bills. So I'm grateful for those of you that are able to donate financially. If this show moves you in any way, if it moves you in the heart, I ask you to do this core shamanic action, which is to allow that which moves you in the heart to motivate your actions and to do something in some way to help the show to grow. Whether that is to bring these ideas into your journey circles, into your own journey practice, to wrestle with these ideas, bring them, apply them to your life, see what happens, send questions, send new show ideas. Um, Whatever it is that you do to share these ideas, to help the listenership to grow, all of it, I am deeply grateful for. All of this is an exchange of energy and it is the Aini that allows the show to continue. So in gratitude for all of this, I say thanks. Um, if you want to access the shows or know where to donate, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. So we are live today. So if you want to call in, you can call in at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype in at co-creatornetwork.com from the site there if you're listening live or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So today is our final show in our series um, about creativity. 
And uh, so I'd like to welcome our guest today, Kate Smith. Welcome, Kate. Thanks, Christina. It's great to be here. And so I'm really happy to have Kate back on the show talking about her own work. And um, so Kate has a long and illustrious history in the straight world as a chemist. She has a BA in chemistry from Princeton, PhD in molecular biophysics and biochemistry from Yale University. And I consider Kate living proof that shamanism is not just for people that aren't smart enough to go get a medical degree. (laughs) Yes, I've had people tell me that. So anyway, she's living proof that is not the case. Oh, so anyway, Kate worked for nearly two decades um, in academia and the pharmaceutical industry before becoming a smith of shamanic power tools under the tutelage and inspiration of Suzanne and Eric Humaden. Did I say that right? Yep, close enough. Okay, <laughs> close enough. So Kate has studied shamanism since 2006 with our Alberto Villodo, with myself, and with Maladoma Somme. So in 2012, Kate started Journey Smith, just like it sounds, J-O-U-R-N-E-Y-S-M-I-T-H. So you can Google that to find her website and also put it in the search box in Facebook and find the Facebook page. So Kate started Journey Smith, a shamanic art studio devoted to creating finely crafted spiritual power tools, drums, rattles, and other instruments that bridge ordinary and non-ordinary reality. Kate offers these tools in a way to help others to stay true to themselves, to rediscover their connection with the earth and align with all that is authentic in their life's journey. So you can email Kate at journeysmith2012 at gmail.com. The website is journeysmith.com. And again, you can uh, put it in the search engine and Facebook and find the Facebook page through Journey Smith. Okay? So, as I said, this is kind of our, our, our fifth show in this uh, journey around creativity started this spring. Um, and I brought this I, – I asked Kate in particular at this time for this very reason because I, I know from working with Kate exactly what – it took for Kate to get to this place to offer these amazing drums and rattles, etc., to us as practitioners. Um, and so it's really an example of this. So, what do you do when the muse calls and the path to your creative life requires the sacrifice of all that makes you feel safe, protected, and respected in the world? What do you do when a life of deeper authenticity calls for the sacrifice of your hard-won rank and privilege and power and expertise in the world? When your true calling trashes your life, the one you've been living, how do you find the grace and the footing in a life with no safety ropes, or at least none that are familiar? And so I've invited Kate to help us explore this, this aspect of living a creative life that might require the utter and complete destruction of the life that preceded it. So, Kate, thank you for joining us today. <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> okay, so um, we've, we've been talking about creativity largely because we started out talking about the spring, which is liver time, and the liver is the dreamer, and it's all about dreaming our life and then manifesting it. And so we started talking about creativity because the qualities that we derive from having a healthy liver are literally the creativity of our self-expression, the clarity in our identity that comes from that. And from those two things, kindness. And out of that, from Chinese medicine perspective, we derive the indomitable spirit. And so we've been talking about what does that mean. And so we talked about um, awakening creativity creativity shamanically. You know, how could I use our skills to wake it up? We talked about then sovereignty because, of course, if you don't know where you stand, you don't know what you're creating from or for or anything. So that brought us to sovereignty. And then we also talked about the many ways that contemporary people actually robustly abuse their creative energy and then wonder why they don't have any when they want to make something. So, <laughs> um, and then we also had um, Damini Celebrate join us um, to talk about artistic expression as a way to reawaken your relationship with the soul. And, and what I want to talk about today is in some ways the opposite relationship where the soul is awake and demanding change, you know, demanding the creative life that it wants um, and that it requires um, great change. 
Okay. And um, so would you share with um, the listeners sort of where you were and what your life was like when the call of your soul really finally became undeniable? (laughs) Sure thing, Christina. Um, So this would have been back really at the height of my pharmaceutical career. I mean, I had a great job. Um, I was fast-tracked. Um, I had great coworkers. Um, I had a really uh, amazing future in the pharmaceutical industry. And, you know, science inherently is pretty cool. So it was really confusing to me when I started feeling a certain hollowness in my life. And you know, had I read your description back before 2010, my advice would, would have been one word, run, <laughs> run fast, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, um, those dreams, certain longings of the soul that were, were really at the time indefinable were tugging at my sleeve so strongly that I, I was absolutely compelled to listen. And the first way those dreams started manifesting was a longing to travel. I hadn't had the time or the, the foresight to do as much traveling as I wanted to uh, when I was younger. I didn't spend summers backpacking across Europe. I spent them in the laboratory. Um, you know, I didn't take a, a year off to go live with a family in, in Europe or South America. Uh, I really pushed pretty closely straight through in the in the science field but I always longed to travel and that was really the the way spirit hooked my attention well and the thing is you know you were traveling for work but it's not the same absolutely not when you're invited to a business breakfast business lunch and business dinner um, that's not the kind of traveling that I was looking for I wasn't looking for staying in four-star hotels I wanted to to experience something that would really uh, open my mind, shock me, if you will, to be in a different culture that would open my heart. Um, And business travel just wouldn't quite do that. So even though I had been sent to China regularly, um, that that wasn't quite what I was looking for, though it it did satisfy the travel bug and, and numb me a little bit for a while to the longings of of my soul. Um, but finally, uh, it came time to make the jump. I, I got to the point where I didn't see the point of continuing. I also noticed that there was a window of opportunity in my life, that I, my family was healthy. I didn't have dependents at that time. So if I didn't jump through the window with all these stars aligned, and the window wide open, when would I? And if I didn't do it, with all these things lined up, who would? Um, So I wrote the letter and asked to resign. And that was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. Because I knew deep in my soul that this was a turning point. And even though I said to my colleagues, yeah, I think I'll be back. uh, And I, you know, Plas, you know, placated everyone and said, yeah, yeah, this is just temporary. I think that I knew um, there was no going back after taking that leap. Well, and it wasn't even that clean because didn't they, didn't they keep upping the offer to keep you and sweeten the <laughs> deal like two or three times? I mean, it was yes. Yeah. Yes. It was kind of like after a fire ceremony when uh, life keeps testing you to make sure. Do you really want to give this up? Uh, so, so, um, big pharma was doing the same thing, uh, both with my old colleagues from, um, a previous job as well as with my current job. So there were many opportunities to turn it around and to go back on what I thought was my calling. And each time I had to say no, but I keep saying no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so then you you didn't necessarily have this like blueprint you'd been given of here Kate here's your soul's purpose this is what you're going to do because didn't you just travel for a year I did um almost a year and a half and as you know the good scientist and planner I kept going to spirit 
okay, what am I going to do next? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And the message was really, you, whatever it is, you can't get there from where you are. You need to step down off the mountain. You need to walk down that valley because you, you need to look around the corner. And if you're not standing at that corner, you can't see it. So no matter what's revealed to me at this point, I won't understand it. I don't have the skills or the experiences to make sense of whatever I'm shown. So really the message was just step in, Mm -hmm. step in. And as you walk down the path, the next step will rise up. I almost uh, saw in the, in the movies of um, the Lord of the Rings, when you're trying to cross the chasm, and as you take that first step, uh, a magical stone arises to catch your foot. Um, so that was really the impression that I got. Um, and what spurred me to just go, no plan, and see what happens. Well, and part of the thing about that time, I think, as we reflected back on it, and let's remind people, she did say a year and a half. You know, it's a long time after you've been really driven and clear about what your life plan was to live without a plan. <laughs> it was positively frightening. Yeah, it was torture. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but the other thing about that that I remember when we were sort of reflecting back on it was that it, it was um, really kind of astounding to you to recognize the actual amount of restoration that was needed to just be Kate, to just, to just absorb the experience, you know, the yin nurturing that needed to happen to just be and to not be doing anything and to kind of balance back out after the um, really profound, you know, creative expression of your life prior. Absolutely. I was in yang mode, full throttle for decades. Right. And that's what is needed or at least um, promoted in corporate America, in academia. Um, People wore uh, not taking their vacation days as a badge of honor Mm -hmm. Um, and exhaustion as a badge of honor, Uh, answering calls on weekends, answering emails all hours of the day. Uh, That was the norm. Um, So I was in an extreme yang mode and learning how to be yin is is honestly still one of my my challenges that doesn't come naturally after several decades of uh full-on yang (laughs) so so (laughs) spirit beat you into submission by not giving you any answers other than take the next trip (laughs) exactly keep going (laughs) keep traveling okay so then so then how did the pieces begin to come together um of leading you to Journey Smith. So how did how'd that transition start to happen? Mm-hmm. So I had always been quite enamored of the uh, drums and rattles and shamanic tools that uh, Susanna and Eric Kumaiden of Shaman Tromer made. And they had offered a drum building class that I wanted to take for years. But as it turned out, my corporate schedule never synchronized with the class offering, so I hadn't been able to, to take their class. But once I quit corporate, it was no problem. So I signed up for their drum building class at long last, and I was petrified. I was sure that whatever I built would be terrible. Um, so it was it was very challenging experience for me. I, I really didn't tell anyone in the class at the time, but I felt I would really hate whatever I created for whatever reason. Yet I kept going and I really enjoyed the process at the same time. So I had this love-hate relationship with uh, building this, my first drum. And in the end, um, I was absolutely shocked that w- what I built I loved it. It it was really beautiful and it sounded wonderful. And I just really enjoyed the process so much that I felt that, gosh, I'd love to bring this quote unquote technology back to the U S. Um, the class was held in Sweden. Um, 
and just be able to make drums for myself, for my friends. Wouldn't that be a lot of fun? So once my travel bug had been satisfied, I set about to uh, try to build some drums just in my garage. So Uh, take a minute here and just describe how these drums are are a little bit different than the typical frame drum that most, like the Native American, I know, hide frame drum. mm -hmm. So the Native American hide frame drum is uh, completely wrapped with the hide and strung together towards the back, um, forming a handle. The Scandinavian style drums, um, the hide is actually pinned to the frame using handmade pins made from uh, branches. And the handle in the back is actually a free floating handle that's attached through sinew. Um, So there's a slight difference in the resonance of the sound. This Scandinavian design allows both the frame and the hide to resonate. So the sound is very different. It's more akin to uh, the resonance of a Tibetan singing bowl or a crystal singing bowl that just goes on and on, um, as opposed to uh, more staccato thumping that you might get with the Native American drums. So the process is actually more involved and much more labor-intensive than our classic Native American style. Good. Okay. So as you were saying, so you, you, you came back to the United States with this, this way, the Scandinavian way of building drums that you liked more than you expected. And then what happened? And then I realized that many of the raw materials uh, were pre-made in the class to make things go more easily. So there's many things that I didn't realize were not easily available. I mean, who who would have expected that I can't get reindeer hide in New Jersey? I, I really didn't think that far ahead. But uh, apparently, even deer hide, um, in the way that I was looking for, fresh, uh, not raw hide, but fresh frozen deer hide, that, that wasn't easily available. I really didn't know how to make any of the pins that attach the, um, the hide to the frame. And, well, actually, all the frames were pre-bent. So I didn't know how to bend wood. Uh, so I was kind of very innocently stepping into a much larger task than I originally anticipated. And so gathering all these raw materials or even gathering the basic technical skills to make the raw materials took a lot longer than I thought. And my fingers were impatient. They really were itchy to make something. So I thought, well, you know, while I'm waiting for these uh, skills, these materials to materialize, um, maybe I'll start making a rattle. So I started playing with rattles and teaching myself how to do that. So I have a question for you right here, Kate, because how many people would have used the fact, like I'm talking to listeners now, how many of you would have used the fact that the raw materials were not available to you in the United States as a reason to go in a different direction? So what was it about this that made you go, oh, hmm, bigger bigger world than I thought. Um, okay, great. I'm still going to go forward, even though it seems somewhat insurmountable in my you know, condo in New Jersey, (laughs) right? This seems really ridiculous. Um, But I'm going to do it anyway. And in the meantime, I think I'll make a rattle. I mean, like what was going on sort of in terms of your relationship, either with your calling or spirit or whatever that made you think, oh, well, I'll just keep going. Well, it was really that, gosh, they're so cool. I really want to do it. (laughs) There's this, this certain kind of Torian stubbornness that, you know, with, with each obstacle, you know, I, I kind of dug my heels in a little harder and said, well, gosh, darn it. Like, I, I still really want to do this. Mm-hmm. How is it possible that I can't get this done? So um, there was a passion there for it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, there was just something that wouldn't be denied. And in a way, I kind of relished the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, it it, it kind of got my hackles up a little bit and it said, well, hmm. Like, how hard could that be? I I think I could still do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I took each step, um, okay, now I got some some drum frames. Fabulous. Well, now, but I don't have any hide. 
it was almost that with each investment, it made the next step more important to take. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was almost kind of like falling down some stairs and, you know, I just kept going. It's like, well, I have to pay this much more. I have to do this. Well, okay. And suddenly, um, I was able to collect all the materials to, to try making my first American born drum. Mm-hmm. I even went to the extent of learning how to work with deer hide from primitive skills expert, um, Katie Russell, the wilder babe in Montana. Hmm. So I spent a week with her in her primitive skills class, learning how to work with deer hide. Now imagine this, I got off the plane from New York. I'm mean, still in my work clothes, my New York clo- fancy clothes. First thing I meet is Katie in a full deer hide outfit that she made herself. And she takes me to a deer processing center where we're going to skin a deer. I I, I was very much out of my element. Um, I thought that I was kind of a wilderness person, but I realized that, yeah, no, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm a girl from Jersey and um, I got a lot to learn. But after that week, uh, we got 80 pounds of deer hide that we froze down and I brought back to New Jersey and um, I've never had a freezer since. (laughs) 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 So one of the things that I like about this part of your story is it's really illustrating that that there is a certain ease and a coming together as you take the steps along the path, but it's still work and it's still um, a lot of new things that we have to learn and, and that in learning those new things, we are changed and we become the person that can actually do the thing we're meant to be doing. And it, it just seems to me that there, that this whole, um, oh, wait, now I have to go learn this. <laughs> it's like a whole new skill set, a huge skill set. I have said that so many times and continue to say this. It's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to do this at all. Mm-hmm. But, well, let's just dive in and see what happens. Okay. So were there any other big big steps along the journey or pretty much from that point did you really begin to be become journey smith at that point it that was a slow process to really embrace what i what i did um it's very different telling people that yes i'm a scientist and i'm discovering new medicines to save the world (laughs) versus well yeah i build shamanic drums and rattles (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and explaining how, oh, they're a power tool, and it, it's um, it's a very different stance in life being uh, an artist and embracing that. So this has actually become critical to my own transformation. Is stepping into this role has really forced me to take off and explore um, many masks that I wore for a really long time, um, roles that I over-identified with. Um, I had just left along the way and didn't realize it and, and kind of scrambled and missed them to, to pick them up when they wouldn't fit anymore anyway. Uh, so it's, it was, a, it was very ch- more challenging than I anticipated. So for those of you that listen to the show and are really interested in the concept of initiation, this is what initiation is about, is stripping us naked of all of the roles that, that sort of make us feel powerful in the world and laying us bare again. And it's such that it's only that one reason that we're willing to get up for, which is to get up for this thing we're here to do. And so I think that this is a good example of the very – um, not to be judgmental, but the very messy way that we get initiated into adulthood in our lives in a contemporary world where our culture is utterly failing to do that for us in our teenage years is we have to go through the journey, the quest of the dismantling of the roles and and then, like you said, picking them up and realizing they don't fit anymore anyway, you know, and now what am I to do? yeah, and that the, and then that that 
that that there is an aspect of this story that is also about you know you're you're stripping away an initiation into into your true adulthood even though you were pretty high functioning and looking awful much like an adult when you were <laughs> before you know. all a sham all yeah. a sham <laughs> so anyway kate so what does make um an instrument an actual power tool good question it really comes from um a place of the spirit that you know people ask me well do you plan what you make uh, do you journey even beforehand? Do you do you have a, a script? And, and honestly, I don't know how I do what I do. Um, I need to just sit down in the studio. And for a rattle, for example, I'll grab a piece of wood. And that piece of wood, it's almost as if the spirit's already hovering there asking, can I please finally have a bridge to this reality? Could you make this for me? Mm-hmm. And that fascination with a piece of wood, that gut instinct, eventually manifests into a tool. So it's almost as if the spirit world is is kind of knocking at my door, asking, like, please, can you make this home for me? And then can you actually find my ordinary reality partner as well? Um, so that's really what's making these tools power retrievals or power objects is that influx of spirit that there is no pattern to how these are created. There is no um, way that I can, I can just say, okay, you do A, B, and C and that's it. And here we go. Um, They're all created. They all start slightly differently. um, And it's really all by feel. Do you have a sense of sometimes it begins more in spirit and, and the, the, the spirit that wants to come in picks the objects and then sometimes it begins more with a cool object and then, then the, does it – do you have a sense of it being sort of sometimes more from the ordinary reality going the other way and sometimes more from the spirit going to the ordinary reality? It goes both ways. Mm-hmm. And I'd say it's about it's about 50-50. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I will get a – a download, if you will, from spirit. And I know exactly what to do, what materials to grab. Um, in the case of a drum, what dyes to use and what way to manipulate the dye in order to do what spirit wants. And that tool will be created in lightning speed. Uh, you know, it's just, oh, it's this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even had a friend ask me, it's like, wow, this is a whole new dye pattern for you. Aren't you going to try it on a sample? And I just, I'll look and I said, no, uh, I know that it's going to work. Uh, there's no question in my mind. This is what I got to do. And I'm just going to go whole hog and make the instrument. And they're, they're kind of shocked. Like, wow, you're so sure. And it's not me that's sure. It's just that clarity of inspiration comes right through. Other times it's more of a struggle that I'll, I'll just, it's almost as if spirit's teasing me a little bit. I'll get one little morsel of information start and then uh, I'm kind of at a loss. I'm wandering around in the dark, um, feeling around and nothing feels right. You know, I, I, I just, well, I'll try this piece and there's that sense of rhythm or that sense of harmony. It's not there. And I might force it through you know, I am kind of stubborn and it, I'll have to take it apart in the end anyway. <laughs> or, you know, maybe I'll forget to actually put the insides of the rattle in the rattle and I'll have a <laughs> blank rattle. I'll, you know, I, I'll wind up doing something completely silly and um, I just have to wait and be patient for either the right raw materials to come my way or for things to be revealed in their own time. So sometimes that makes commissions really hard. Um, people would like to have a drum or a rattle by a certain time and occasionally spirit will comply. Occasionally spirit won't. Um, so with my get it done yesterday, corporate training that I, 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 sometimes I have a tough time with that, you mm-hmm. know, just say, I, I can't promise what's going to happen because I just have to allow it to happen on its own time. 
Well, and I didn't do a very good job as the host in the beginning of the show to let you kind of run through your shamanic training. But one of the things that I can hear in you talking about this is, you know, you have a lot of, you had years and years of shamanic training prior to this endeavor. And so your you had numerous you know, ways to be in relationship with spirit, to receive the download, to, you know, to poke around if you're not getting the (laughs) information (laughs) that you need. You know, so it's not like you didn't already also have that skill set. It's just, it's just mobilizing that skill set towards this particular um, manifestation that was new, really. Exactly. Yeah, the, the whole shamanic world and those skills wasn't particularly new to you at that time um do you ever feel like you know you just get blocked or you just get in your own way somehow Mm-hmm. absolutely and that's when I take a climbing trip <laughs> which was my next question and so what do you do about that <laughs> something else well, just go get out of the way exactly that that's that's when it's clear it's time to get out of the studio mm-hmm. um when things aren't aren't working um what I take that finally now after, you know, a long time beating my head against this studio wall is if it's not flowing or you're, you're not feeling the oncoming flow, it's really time to take a break Mm -hmm. to go back to something that's more receptive, yin based. And so uh, if I, if I'm not able to go out, um, for a big rock climbing trip in the Southwest and really clear my head. I go to the local woods. I go for a run I just walk around some trees. And if that doesn't help, you know, I start doing something a little different. Um, something that's perhaps a little analytical, maybe that um, rational brain is just itching to do something and that needs to get to run around. So, you know, in the spring taxes are a great way to uh, get that part of your brain a little tired. And, you know, once that part of the brain's satisfied, the, the creativity may bubble forward. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's all sorts of ways to just get around that block, mm-hmm. um, exercising the body, really giving that rational brain who's getting in the way, just go with it and say, okay, great. You know, let's do some Sudoku. Let's do taxes. Let's do something that actually is analytical. So you can run around too. And then we'll get back to the studio and do something creative. So is there particular um, uh, choices that you make about how you live your life so that you can, for the most part, show up at the studio pretty ready to be receptive? One of the main things that I do is, well, there's two things. Um, The first for me is regular exercise. Um, My body really needs to move around. Um, So keeping my body um, well-oiled, in good shape, helps me to not pay attention so much, you know, to body aches and pains um, or the physical demands of the technique and allows me to be more in the flow. The other thing I do regularly is I, I call in spirit every morning. Um, and ask for help um, to say, hey, you know, who, who's out there? Who's, who'd like to come in and walk with me today? Um, so I invite spirit in every morning. And I also have started a meditation practice where I sit for only five minutes. I'm a beginner as a meditator. Um, and that's really helped as well. Um, one of the things that I, you know, I aspire to is to really have more discipline to go into the studio, even without inspiration, and just sit. Um, that I find a little difficult. You know, I, I perhaps I use the lack of inspiration or feeling good as a as an excuse to do something rational or to start cleaning under my stove. Um, but my sense now is to really get into the creative mode is to show up. Just show up. Whether you're writing something, just sit down with a blank piece of paper. Just sit down with uh, the handle that I'm working with. Just sit down with the beads you're working with. Or whatever you're trying to, to do, show up. See what happens. You don't have to already have an idea. But stepping forward and asking, okay, What's happening? Stepping forward in the spirit of play. 
Maybe I'll put, you know, pushing paint around. Don't even worry about making something serious. Just go play. And through play, something could arise that you'd never expect. And so that's my next goal is to start showing up and just playing as a way to beckon spirit to come in and to be more part of my work. Nice. So when we uh, discover or unearth um, ancient power objects, we most often find that they're broken in some sort of intentional way. And my sense is that this is to release the energy or the spirit that was in the tool when the tool was being used and that, that, that allowing that spirit, the release, is part of the process of retiring a power object, if I, if I can use that language. So, so how do you work with that whole process of, of getting essentially the energy into the power uh, object this and this um, idea then that is um, a big aspect of living with power objects in traditional cultures is then feeding the object that this this deep understanding that that which is held in this object and helps us to do the work is a living thing mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. how do you work with getting it in and caring for it while it's there and that whole energy mm-hmm. good question so For now, at least in my relationship with spirit, there seems to be many spirits that are asking to come in, that are asking to be here. And so through calling spirit in in the morning, through blessing each object uh, with smudge, um, it seems that the spirit um, is really waiting. It's taken a number at the deli counter. Please, you know, let's, let's enter in. And now in caring for the spirit that's already in those power tools, um, I smudge regularly. And I can see where the smoke is, is certainly attracted to the power object and is certainly feeding those objects as well. Caring for the objects, handling them gently. Um, I also I create um, special bags where the object can be kept and handled in a sacred way. Um, and they're also displayed on the wall in order to interact with them um, day to day where they see me and I see them. But what I've also found are my clients will develop their own practice in maintaining the spirit that's in the object um, from daily smudging to uh, making a promise to work with the tool on a regular basis. Uh, to carry, taking the tool outside in the woods on a regular basis as well. Um, so what I found is I don't get the full story about how to care for these tools, that I get uh, enough information um, on a need-to-know basis and that the client, who's ever the actual partner for these tools, will really start getting the full story as they're working with them. So each tool may have its own particular way to be cared for, to be fed, and to be handled. And that information is imparted to um, its ultimate ordinary reality partner. So so that in information actually sparked another question in my mind um, about these tools. So they are these living things. And like you said, you get the need to know information and then the partner really needs to work with the tool to receive the ongoing story. Mm-hmm. But as you're creating these, especially those that maybe take a little longer to create, I'm imagining that you're, you are receiving information about the tool and, or the spirit that's in it or things like that. How much of that information do you actually share with the partner once the partner's found or, or, or not? Well, it depends. Sometimes I'll get the full-on story. And then I ask the tool, like, how, how much do I share? What do I need to share in order to call its ordinary reality partner? Because, you know, in a way, I, I'm kind of working on both sides of the bridge. I, I'm calling spirit into the tool, but I'm also calling the ordinary reality, the human companion to the tool as well. Um, so I, I do ask the spirit, you know, how much do I need to share? Sometimes the spirit doesn't share anything with me. 
it, it's I just get the inspiration that this needs to happen and I really have very little idea about the energy itself. It's rather clandestine. Um, or it takes quite a while for the tool to communicate um, exactly what it's about. I guess I might be a little slow on the uptake sometimes. I can almost see these tools, uh, hands on their hips, looking at me like, really? How, this is obvious. Why are you not getting it? Um, so it depends. And for me, that's actually part of the excitement. I never know what's going to happen. I never know how much information I'm going to get. I never know how much I should be sharing with my clients. Um, and I even never know how it's going to turn out in the end. It's, it's, not, it's not over till it's over, in a way. <laughs> um, and so that surprise is, is really one of the things that keeps me going. So do you, are you constantly, whenever you're out in nature, just picking up cool stuff to make stuff out of? Yes, and my friends are now too. Um, <laughs> it's it's become a thing with my uh, hiking partners and my rock climbing partners is to find cool sticks lying on the ground for Kate. Um, so the some people will notice when I'm in scanning mode that my eyes will start you know searching the ground and I keep a small folding saw in my backpack at all times, ready when there's. Um, the start of a power object that starts just calling, that catches my eye. It says, hey, you know, I want a new life. Um, pick me up. Take me home. Make me into something. Um, so I've been known to ship boxes of sticks um, back from certain travels um, to my house, um, separate from my luggage. And sometimes my car is full, filled with um, sticks and all sorts of odd objects gathered in nature well and not just sticks because i was noticing there was one rattle that was filled with the stones from an ant hill and you know so they're mm-hmm. sticks stones um I, I have no idea what's going to catch my eye mm-hmm. you know as i as i walk down the trail so um i go with a very soft gaze um some ziploc bags and my folding knife and you know, I kind of await to see, you know, what's going to jump in my backpack next. But this is, you know, it's it it's kind of sweet, though, because this is, you know, you probably don't remember Massive Illusion, but this is the first, one of the first things that we teach around power objects in the very beginning of the cycle training is go out there and find things that attract your attention and ask them if they want to be part of your ritual. And mm-hmm. you'd be surprised how much out in nature would, it really wants to participate. Absolutely. Absolutely. My garage is filled with all sorts of crazy things. Um, And if I'm, you know, not if I'm really open in the woods, many things are very excited Mm -hmm. to come work with humans, to come be something else, to be become a bridge between the worlds. And humans have just gotten so unbelievably repetitive and boring. (laughs) <laughs> you know that to have a human walk by and be making you know rattles or drums or wanting to do a power object for a ritual or something like that it's like wow this human's exciting let's go play with her <laughs> yeah and it's way better than that other human that was thinking about us as kindling or firewood yeah <laughs> that person sucked <laughs> So let's talk a little bit more about what you've discovered about creativity um, through this. And first off, what do you feel you've kind of discovered about the difference between just logic-based work and creative-based work? I mean, I think that sometimes one of the things that's been happening a lot in my life, I'll just say, is people coming who are really robustly creative – but they're so creative and involved in so many things, they can't find their soul's purpose. And they're really mm. frustrated. They thought if I just started creating, I would stumble over it. So there's, there's this dynamic between logic and creativity that allows us to walk this path. This is my current sort of thinking. So I'm just wondering, what did you discover about the difference between logic-based thinking and, or logic-based work and creativity-based work? Mm-hmm. So for me, logic-based work was, was kind of relaxing. Um, there's a certain precision, clarity, and linearity to walking that path. Um, not that there's uh, not innovation and creativity that that comes in a in a bit here and there, but it was really 
um, for me, it was very clear and almost mathematical as a way to diagnose problems. What's the next step? Um, what's a contingency plan? And to work in a very clear, productive way. And logic is logical. It's really satisfying. It is. It's it's just so it's so nice. Yeah. It's clear. It's clean. And now I've found myself, um, you know, sometimes just just I'm stumbling and bumbling around in the darkness. I never know what's happening, and that poor logical mind is is just fretting. It 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 almost can't stand that part that really has to just wait and be in the unknown. But that's where you need to be because if you're bringing something new into existence, that necessarily means it doesn't exist now, which necessarily means you don't know what it is. So you have to. You have to go into the unknown. You have to, to waddle around in the dark and bumble around and be lost and really be very okay with ambiguity. You know, until you pull something out, you start, you, you're, it's like you're blindly reaching down and you, you grab onto something. And it's really important, at least for me, to not define what it is too quickly, to allow it to be what it wants to be rather than my, my slicing, dicing, rational mind to put a label on it and limit what it can be. So for me, that's a challenge. To, to keep that logical mind at bay long enough that something can come and, and blossom into its own self long enough that n- now I can actually really manifest it. On the other hand, that logical mind really helps with the practical technique-based application of, of what I'm doing. So there's the spirit-based wandering around in the unknown feeling um, the harmony of something that wants to get born and then merging that with a certain precision, with a certain linear drive of bringing that into manifestation. So there's a dance that I found between those two worlds that keeps me on track and making things, uh, but it, it's also a razor's edge um, between squelching the magnificence of whatever's trying to get born into just the limitations of my my own mind. Um, so part of what I've been doing in Journeysmith is learning how to dance that dance, um, bringing tools into existence using um, kind of a technique, rational mind, and yet allowing a certain creativity a certain ease in the unknown to flow at the same time. And many times I've stumbled with that. You know, I have stepped on the toes of both sides um, and I, and I haven't gotten all the steps right. Um, And it's a process, but I think it's, it's a really amazing dance to partake in on both sides of the table. So do you have a sense of the nature of creativity now that is different than before perhaps? Gosh, before I, I had absolutely no idea what what I was doing or why. Um, I, I, you know, I was just kind of blindly stumbling and said, "Well, it looks cool." Uh, that I mean, that's about the the extent. It's like it, it seems like a cool thing to do, and now it, I would define it more as um, really, truly love, love being kind of awestruck with with something you know for me it's it's nature and the different patterns um but it it could be just a fascination a curiosity something that just tickles a part of your soul in a way that nothing else does and you just need to explore that tickle and keep at it until it blossoms into something that surprises you that's something completely new. So creativity really has to do with love, with play, fascination, curiosity, and being okay in the darkness of the unknown, making that your playground, very, making not knowing your playground. Mm-hmm. It's very yin-yang. 
Mm, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could uh, deliver a message to yourself 25 years ago, what would that message be? Whew. Yeah, I would have said to myself, um, take a year off and look around Mm -hmm. and look inside. Let your heart speak and then let your heart sing. And whatever your heart is speaking about and singing about, go do that. And the rest of what people's opinions, family expectation, just let it go. Follow that because that's where you'll feel grounded. That's where you'll feel truly rewarded and fulfilled is in following that heart song. Because, Kate, you need to live your own life. And living somebody else's will never feel anything but hollow. So that's what I would have told myself mm-hmm. 25 years ago. Well, Kate, thanks for finding your soul's purpose while you're still young enough to enjoy the fruits of your labors and share them with us. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us here today and sharing your work with us. It's an absolute um, honor to be on your show, Christina. Well, thank, thank you. you. And people, you can connect with Kate at Journey Smith, J-O-U-R-N-E-Y-S-M-I-T-H, at the, her website, journeysmith.com. You can email her at journeysmith2012, uh, gmail.com. And you can find her on Facebook and look at the beautiful drums and rattles on Facebook. So we give thanks to the ancestors that have gathered around us here today, to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone.